Phil called me, Pastor Philly called me yesterday, I was at work, and it's kind of odd, he doesn't call me, like he knows I work Saturdays, so he doesn't call me very often, and usually I don't answer the phone, but, so he calls, so I answer the phone, and there's this gravelly guy, and I was like, man, that's a really bad impression of Phil, uh, so you knew something was wrong. You knew he was pretty sick. Uh, so I joked with him a little bit. The truth is, he just wanted to watch football. So he, he kind of fake. You can tell by the fake impersonation. He just wanted to watch football today. Uh, anyways, I think I hit the button. It might not be working. There it is. All right, so uh, what's going on in the world today, we can tell. I'm going to sit down for a second. Uh, you, everyone's heard about that, the woke thing, and that false knowledge of God. It's been put on my heart to, to really know who, who is God, to know God. What is the meaning of life? It's to know God and to make him known. And it's not just to, to have head knowledge in our head, because everyone can get that. Uh, but do we just know about God, or do we know God? And to know God, it's not just up here, but it's here. And this is miles apart. Uh, so if it feels like I'm reading some things, it's because I am. Because I want my thoughts to be very clear. And, and I want it because I wrote things down uh, intentionally to make it really, really uh, meaningful. And always, whenever I, I share, it's always, you guys are invited into my study. <laughs> and that's what it is. I don't like the idea of preaching. I like the idea of I'm sharing what I've studied and I'm sharing it with you guys. So with that, I want to uh, obviously open up in prayer. Dearly Father, we just thank you for this day, and we thank you for the opportunity to hear about your word and to know about you, not just to, to know about who you are, uh, but to know you, capital K, know you, and to put it inside of our hearts. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to uh, just to learn more about you, and hopefully, like I said, cancel the man, get rid of me, and it's all about you, and, and we can learn more about you and your word. Uh, Lord, we just thank you, and obviously we pray for our pastor right now, always at home watching football, and Lord, we just lift him up and hope he's better. Uh, Lord, we just thank you, and we just, we absolutely love you. We know this is our church family, Lord. Uh, this is my church family. And we love these people here. And Lord, I just ask that whatever's going on in each one's lives, this unmentioned, uh, just unmentioned prayers that everyone has, Lord, I just ask that you know, you know their hearts, you know their minds, uh, that you just touch them. Lord, open our hearts, open our minds for your word. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So, all right, I want to start with a quote. Uh, the proper study of mankind is man. The proper study of God's elect is God. The proper study of Christian of a Christian is the Godhead. The highest science, loftiest speculation, the mightiest philosophy, which can ever engage the attention of a child of God, is the name, the nature, the person, the work, the doings, and the existence of the great God whom he calls his father. Charles Spurgeon, January 7th, 1885, or 1855. So, why do we need to study God? Isn't it good enough just to accept Christ? Okay, it's not. Uh, what's the purpose of theology? Obviously, theology, study of God. Why do we need to study it? Is it to gain more uh, head smarts and to say, neener, 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 I know more than you? That's not the problem. That's not it. Philippians 1.9 uh, says... And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruits of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So we ask for not only knowledge, but to discernment, to pray, what do we do with that knowledge that is a good Christian, is not just having the knowledge, but sharing it uh, in love. Uh, 
Eric Urabe always has, every year, has a conference, The Truth in Love. Preaching, teaching, sharing the truth in love. It might, it might be hard to hear sometimes. The truth, trust me, my wife tells me, it's hard to hear sometimes, but it's something that we need to listen to and that we need to take to heart with discernment and understanding. So the knowledge of God or knowing God is not to fill our hard drives, but it's to take his word and share it with people. So how do we get to know our spouse or our best friend? That's the key is you hear these these songs all the time about Jesus is our best friend. Well, he is a friend. But more than that, what is he? He's our God and Savior. So first, the one we're trying to get to know has to be willing to let us in. So for a husband to know their spouse or a wife to know her spouse, they have to be willing to let us in. You can't have that vault, that door locked. So in order to get to know, A, the door has to be open. So with that door being open, we can truly know someone. We can truly know someone. Is this fading in and out? Okay, sounds like it is for me. Anyways, uh, we can't truly know someone unless they are willing to let us in. Second, we have to have a sincere desire to get to know them. Do we want to get to know our wives? Do we want to get to know our husbands? Do we want to get to know God in a more intimate way? So I'm grateful that we have a God that wants us and is willing to let us know him. Okay, now do we have a sincere desire know him. And that is the key. Not just to know about him, but to know him. Uh, James, it's the wrong scripture, but anyways, James uh, 2.19, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. And then Luke I missed one, sorry. I'll go back one more. Right there. And then uh, Luke 4, 41. The demons also came out of many, crying, you are the son of God. But be rebuked them. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. So it's not just knowing about him That is the key. It's knowing him. Because like the scripture says, the demons knew him. They knew who he was. They recognized he's the son of God. We can recognize that Jesus is the son of God. But it's more than just knowing who he is. Uh, John 20, 19 through 29 This is a really good passage. If you've ever listened to it and read it, uh, really study this passage. So again, John 20, 19 through 29. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled. For fear of the Jews, they came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad that they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them, peace to you as the Father has sent me. As key, the Father has sent him. I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples, therefore, said to him, uh, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands and the print of his nails and put my finger in the print of his nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, he, the disciples were there again or were again inside. And Thomas with them, Jesus said, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. And then he said to Thomas, I picture this. I'm going to stop for a second. I picture this, Jesus appearing with our doubts that we have. Because every one of us, whether we admit it or not, have doubts sometimes. Uh, And I'll be the first one to raise my hand. There's always doubts. How can a, a loving God... 
love someone who has sinned so hard, sorry, who has sinned so hard and so much against him, who he laid down everything, everything for us. And it's hard for me to to read that. So then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach out your hand here and put it inside or put it into my side. Do not the unbelieving, do not be unbelieving, but be believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Acquiring knowledge of God or the study of theology is to bring us closer to the Father, our Father in heaven. So I have a quote according to the Westminster Catechism, uh, the definition of God. So let's look at, we've got to look at two different definitions. This is the catechism, the Westminster Catechism definition of God. God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, unchangeable, in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. That is the definition of God according to the Westminster Catechism. I'll read this and see if any of you guys know who wrote, who wrote this. God is a self-conscious personal being who is the uncaused cause of all that exists and who transcends the whole creation while being eminent in it. I have a winner, Pastor Phil. That is his definition of, of God. And that's in one of his teachings in theology proper. Uh, so if he's watching... Uh, so let's look at five foundational principles that Christians should hold uh, according to Dr. J.I. Packer. Uh, this is a study, if you've ever read a really good book about knowing God, it's J.I. Packer. It's called Knowing God. It's a really good book. So five principles. God has spoken to man and the Bible is the word given to us to make us wise unto salvation. Number two, God is Lord and King over his world. He rules all things for his own glory, displaying his perfections in all that he does in order that men and angels may worship and adore him. God is Savior, active in sovereign love through the Lord Jesus Christ to rescue believers, sinners like us, from the guilt and power of sin, to adopt them as a children and bless them accordingly. Number four, God is triune. There are within the Godhead three persons. I can stop right there. It's not like I'm preaching or teaching anything new. We're blessed to have a pastor who we have because so, being so thorough, uh, the study, the master of apologetics, uh, we feel blessed. It's, my wife and I have always said, it's a, it's, a, it's a mystery why our pastor doesn't have a mega church. Because of the presence that he has, the knowledge, not just the knowledge up here, but it's this. The heart he has, that is the key right there, is the heart. So I could stop this message right here and understand that God is triune, where there are three persons in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the work of the salvation is one in which all three act together. You need all three in salvation. The Father is purposing the redemption. The Son is securing it. And the Holy Spirit is applying it. And then finally, in number five, godliness means responding to God's revelation in trust and obedience, faith and worship, Praise and prayer, submission and service, life must be seen and lived in the light of God's word. Oh, uh, this and nothing else is true religion. Uh, First Chronicles twenty nine fifteen. For we are strangers before you and sojourners. As all our fathers, our fathers were, our days on the earth are like a shadow and there are no abiding. Hebrews 11, uh, 13 through 16. We're going to read a lot of scriptures. These, are di- these all died in faith, 
not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them for, excuse me, from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus, make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. And that is us. We are seeking a homeland. We are here for a reason. We are just sojourners sharing God's word. And then uh, our home, our citizenship is not here. Our citizenship is in heaven. For those who say such things, declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, and he, is, and he has prepared a city for them. So King David and the author of Hebrews calls us strangers and sojourners here on earth meaning that our destination or homeland as believers is heaven, not here. So what's going on, the craziness that we see and what's going on here on earth, in our country, in our town, our county and all that, this is just temporary. Uh, We need to be focused up here, deal with what we have down here, but focused on what's going on up there. God not only created a place for us to call home, but he also created a way for us to go home. Again, we need to check our motives and what our intentions are. Once we start and then gain the knowledge of God, there's certain things we need to do. I want to be known for one who knows God, not just one who knows about God. J.I. Packer wrote, a little knowledge of God is worth more than a great deal of knowledge about God. I think that's so profound a little bit of knowledge of God in our hearts is greater than the vast knowledge of someone who just knows about God. Because like we read earlier, uh, the demons knew about God. They knew who he was. He is the son of the living God. But what did that do for him? Absolutely nothing. So John seventeen thirteen, or John seventeen three, I should say, sorry. And this is life eternal, that they might know, that they may know you. That is the key. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou have sent. Only through the true knowledge of God can man receive eternal life. But this knowledge can be attained alone through him who is the revelation of the Father the visible representative of the Father's glory, full of grace and truth, Jesus Christ. It's clear that knowing God is more complex than just knowing another person. Sorry, my knee kind of hurting right now. Uh, Just as knowing my neighbor is more complex than knowing my house or a book or a foreign language, the more complex the object, the more complex the knowing of it. So knowing someone depends solely on them allowing us to know them. That's it. God is more than willing to let us in and to let us know him. Uh, unlike humans, we might, want, we might not want to let people in. We, we, are, we, we throw up boundaries and we throw up windows and doors and we don't want people in to get to know us. And why is that? Because we're vulnerable We're scared. We want to put these things up and we want to protect ourselves. We don't want people to be able to use that against us and stuff. So what if if God was like that and didn't allow people to get to know him? Where would salvation be? We wouldn't have salvation. If God didn't allow us in to get to know him, uh, I, I just... The God, the creator of this vast, incredibly beautiful, intelligently designed universe invites us in every single day, invites us in. I mean, the only way to get to know him is reading his love letters to us. Some people read, some people watch videos, uh, some people do both, but it's only through this is how we can get to know 
And that's only through this on how we can get to heaven. To get home. This is not our home. You've got to really, 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 really understand this is not our home. Okay? We might want to flee Washington. Like half the people here probably want to flee Washington. But, but that's not the idea. The idea is setting a plan. Oh, you, you've, you've always heard that in the Bible. B-I-B-L-E, basic information before leaving earth. Okay. But it sounds kind of cliche, but it's true. I mean, this is how, this is our roadmap on how we can get home. If we don't have this, there's no way to get home, okay? This is our GPS. There you go. This is what our, this is our GPS in order to get home. And I think all of us can spend as much, as much time as we can in this and studying him. That's how we get to know him and that's how he gets to know us. So he delights in us getting to know him personally. So, Finding out what my wife's favorite color is. Finding out what my wife's favorite food. What she, her favorite desires. And I'll tell you, my wife makes a mean ice cream. Okay, just going to throw that out there. Not sharing any, but she makes, she's mastered homemade ice cream. It is perfect. But see, I know she loves to do this. So uh, getting to know your family, getting to know your wife is really important. But getting to know the one who created everything is vastly more important. And he wants us to get to know him. Hosea 6.6, 6, For I desire mercy and not sacrifice and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. So he desires for us to get to know him and to know him intimately like you know your wife or your, your husband, your spouse. He wants us to get to know him. Jeremiah 9, 24. But let him who glorifies glory is glory in this, that he understand and knows me. There's the meaning of life right there. But let him or her who glorifies or glories, glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in this I delight, says the Lord. So he delights in us getting to know him. We can stop. We can go home. I can smell food. There's potluck. That could be the end of the message. That he delights in us learning more about him and desires that. So as God opens up and invites us in to get to know him, you find yourself brought low. That's the problem. So when God allows us to come in and we start getting more and more intimate with him, we start realizing how lower and lower that we are. Not saying we are, we are made in God's image. Okay, don't get me wrong. We are made in God's image. But the more and more we get to know the perfect, righteous, just, loving God, the more and more we start to reveal things inside of us that we need to change. Yeah, every time you start reading, I, I get convicted. I was like, yeah, I could do better in that. I'll be honest, my prayer life, I, it needs some work, it needs some polishing. And I think everyone can say there's certain things, studying God's word, studying, reading, devotion. Uh, I don't know if you guys know, Pastor Phil. I mean, he's up at like 3, 3.30 in the morning, early, early morning, devoting his time in study, I'm sorry, I'm barely getting out of work at three o'clock in the morning to go to work. I mean, and then it's another hour before my brain's functioning. But he's, I mean, we have, that's a good, great example. I mean, probably not going to get up at three o'clock in the morning on my days off just to study. Uh, But what a good example for us as our shepherd. So, as we open up, as God opens up to us, invites us in to get to know him, you, like I said, you find yourself brought very low. God speaks to us about our sin and guilt, our weakness, and he compels us to judge ourselves. When was the last time you sat back and you judged yourself for some of the actions, thoughts, things that we do? And think about it. Okay, who am I comparing this to? Am I comparing myself to Pastor John? Am I comparing myself to Pastor Phil and stuff? 
No, I need to be comparing myself to him. Where do I measure up in his word, in his life? We can use, I can use Pastor John as an example. I can use Pastor Phil as an example in my life. And they are. You guys are examples in my life. But my ultimate example is Christ. What did he do? How did he love the person? What did he do? You want to read something? Read John 17. Read that every single day. Just read John chapter 17 every single day. And that is the heart of, I mean, that, is, that shows Jesus' heart right there. That's the heart that we need to have. Read John 17. Okay, so, so he reveals our weakness. He compels us to judge ourselves, realizing that we are hopeless and helpless and that we are desperately crying out for his forgiveness. Okay, when I say hopeless, we have no hope without Christ. In him is our only hope. We are helpless to do anything. We can do nothing outside of Christ. You can be an unbeliever and you can be, think you have all this great stuff in your life. But like my dad said, I came into the world naked and screaming and nine times out of ten, I'm going to be going out of this world naked and screaming. And you've never seen a U-Haul trailer behind a hearse. So I came into the world with nothing. I'm going to go out of the world not with nothing, but with one thing. That's the love of God and salvation in my heart. Okay? All this other stuff, no, I'm not coveting your drums, but all these other things are just things. They're going to go away. Okay? But what we do take is priceless. And that's the love of God. And we do. We cry out for his forgiveness. Because like I said, without it, we are lost. So, as you begin to listen to God speaking to you, you have to realize that he is actually opening up his heart to us. So what then does this process of knowing God involve? First, listening to God's word and receiving it as the Holy Spirit interprets it. So you can't understand spiritual things in the Bible, like trying to understand the, the Trinity, trying to understand the kenosis, things like that. I mean, it's like kind of funny. I met Pastor Phil, I want to say it was 1997. We were at, is it Mountain View Middle? Yep. Mountain View Middle School. Uh, went in there and went there just for a little bit. I don't know how long we were going there. Met him, and we were going to church there. Shortly after, we ended up moving to Utah. So we were in Utah. We, my wife and I, we were book hoarders. I mean, you know, I gave you guys like thousands bunches of books. Uh, it was just, like we were hoarding books, and we were at this bookstore, and I happened to see a book with Pastor Phil, uh, The God Who Sits Enthroned. So I'm just looking at it. I was like, oh, it's kind of a cool book. And I flip it over. I'm like, I know this guy. I'm at a, it's in a bookstore in Kanab, Utah. Okay? Has anyone ever heard of Kanab, Utah? Okay, there you go. I mean, this is like in a whole little tiny city. And I found this in this used bookstore. And I opened it up and I started reading it. Uh, there were so many isms and ologies and stuff like that. I'm like, put the book away. Okay. It was like way over my head way over my head. Uh, I wasn't a real believer then. It wasn't until after, probably about two years after that. I was like one of that, that one song that's uh, going through the motions. Yeah, that was me, just going through the motions. It wasn't until I lost everything, lost my house, motorcycle, cars, uh, bankruptcy, that a friend of mine, Joe Godwin, came over and heartfelt crying. I know exactly where I was that moment. I closed my eyes and it was like right there that God spoke to me through a good friend of mine and I gave my life that moment. I can't tell you it was what day, what date or whatever, but I remember the moment. And uh, 
And that's what we need to do to understand God is first listening to God's word and receiving it as the Holy Spirit interprets it. We can't understand spiritual things without the Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit, with him working inside of us. Second, taking note of his character and nature and his words and actions reveal it. So we've got to understand his character and the more we get to know him, we can start revealing, we can start seeing the nature of God. Third, accepting his invitation and doing what he commands for us. So his invitation, like we read earlier, is to get to know him and to get to know him more and more intimately every day. Fourth, recognizing the love that he has, that he has shown us, and rejoicing in the redemptive actions that he has made uh, for the possibility of eternal life. So we need to recognize that his love, he loves us. There's nothing that we can do, there's nothing we've done, and there's nothing that we're going to do if we're inside of Christ that's going to make him love us less. We need to understand that. Okay? If we're true followers of Christ and he is in our heart and we have, we're true believers, there's nothing, he's not going to love us less. He loves us unconditionally. There's nothing we can do to separate that love that he has for us. We are made in his image. So we need to understand that. We need to realize that. John 14, 9. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and yet, you have not known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? So how long have we walked with him and we still don't know him? John fourteen six. everyone knows this. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay, and that's true. I mean, this verse has been talked about in, in the news and stuff like that, that we belong to a group or whatever, a uh, very exclusive club. Well, it is. I mean, if, if he owns the court and the ball, well, guess what? It's his rules. And last time I checked, I wasn't God and neither are you guys. So it's his rules. He can make the rules. It's his universe. He created it. And if he wants one way to go through Christ, then guess what? Again, his ball, his rules. I don't have a problem with that. A lot of people do. But, but no one comes to the Father. So you can't truly know, can't truly know God outside of his Son. You have to know the Son in order to know the Father. So we know the Father through his Son, Jesus. So look at four analogies. The Son knowing his Father, a wife knowing her husband, a subject knowing their king, and a sheep knowing their shepherd. All four of these examples shows the knower looking up to the one who is to be known. The disciples were chosen by the one to be known. So you're starting to see a little pattern. Matthew. Matthew 16, 15 through 17. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father, but my Father who is in heaven. You see, the, the disciples had a different relationship with Jesus than we do today. And that this is honest. I mean, you can raise your hand if you want. Have you ever thought about what it would be like to actually walk in the dust, in the footsteps of Christ? Go back 2,000 years. Like my study on Monday nights, we're talking about Jesus in the Old Testament, the true Jewishness of Jesus, uh, the authentic. Jesus was a Jew, so everything he did had that Jewish, that first century mindset. 
because he was. He was an observant Jewish male, so everything he did was there. But have you ever thought about just what it would be like to walk in his footsteps? Just walk, like on the Emmaus Road. Can you imagine? He started at Moses, the Gospel of Moses. He started there on the Emmaus Road. And can you imagine that Bible study, that however long, I don't know how it is, how long that walk was, but starting back at Moses, Jesus basically shared everything. Can you imagine walking and hearing that message? I mean, that just, close your eyes and just picture yourself would just be awesome. I can't think of any other word, but just awesome just to be there. So the disciples had a different relationship uh, with Jesus than we do today. They knew him in the flesh. They saw him as a son of God. They were his bride and him, the bridegroom. They were a sheep and him, their good shepherd. They ate with him. They drank with him. Can you imagine just that intimate little Bible study? They're chilling out and just like, yeah, what was that like? And just sitting there, just talking to them. Uh, it, just, it blows my mind just thinking about that. But we too see Jesus in the same light, just not in the flesh, but in the spirit. The same Jesus that walked in the gospel story walks with us today. Uh, we know that this is the same today as it was 2,000 years ago. God's not going to let his perfect, inerrant word get corrupted. I mean, people do. The New World Translation, people do. Man corrupts certain things. But to get to the root of it, we know his word, it's pure. It's everlasting. Everyone throughout the centuries have tried to destroy God's word. But it lasts. So the same Jesus that walked 2,000 years ago is the same Jesus that we have today. Just not in the flesh, but in the spirit. John 10, 16. Sorry. And the other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. Did you know that shepherds, uh, even today, that these sheep, I mean, we all call dumb sheep or whatever, uh, they know the shepherd's voice. You can try to make that exact same sound and call them out of the pen and they won't listen to you. But if the true shepherd of that flock calls them out by name, they're like, boop, they all come in out like sheep. You can try to copy the guy's voice, sound just like the individual. They won't come out. Why? Because they know the shepherd's voice. So my question is, do we know our shepherd's voice? Ask yourself that. Not Jews of whom, so when we look at that, so they hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. So not Jews of whom his followers then were, but Gentiles who would soon be called to him. These would hear his voice, enter through the door, and enter the same fold as the Jewish Christians. So do you realize for the first, I don't know how many years, that predominantly after Christ came and ascended that the the church was Jewish. They still practiced the holidays. They still did everything. They were Jewish. They went to synagogue. They were Jewish. They were Jewish men. Uh, Phil made a, Pastor Phil did a sermon. This was years ago. This is when we are at uh, Ridgetop Junior High. Had to think about it. We were at Ridgetop Junior High and he preached a message about, it was about false religions. But he never called Jew- Judaism a false religion. And someone got really offended, that, that, thinking that he called it a false religion. 
And we happened to have a potluck. And my daughter, I mean, out of a babe, out of the mouth of the babes, she just chimed in and said, Judaism isn't a false religion. It's an incomplete religion. And I stood there and I went, looked at my daughter, I was like, where did that come from? And that one individual that was really upset, uh, just like, because the truth was revealed. Judaism is not a false religion. It's just incomplete. The cool thing about it is 2,000 years ago, Jesus completed it. And it's in him that we have our salvation. So, there was one church and one door into it. And we only have one shepherd. Thank God for that. To know Jesus is to be saved by Jesus from sin, from guilt, and from death. We're going to have a physical death, okay? And we've had a lot lately. Not just in our church family, but especially in our church family. We've had a lot of loss. Is it sad for us? Absolutely, it's sad for us. Uh, it kind of brings our own uh, mortality to question when we start losing our friends. And then the people that we have lost in our past, our families that we've lost, uh, I'm, I'm missing my dad a lot. I'm missing my brother a lot. My mom. Uh, I've had some death in my family. Uh, but knowing where they are, uh, that they've conquered death, I hold on to that. And it's only through Christ that we have that. John 5, 22. Uh, it's kind of long. Uh, I've only got a few more minutes. So John 22, uh, 5, 22 through 27. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgments to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Amen. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as a father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man. Amen. To merely know about God, not enough. We can have all the knowledge about who the creator is and still be lost and dead in our sins. I was listening to this message. I don't like, I'm not even going to quote who the I listened to this morning. Uh, just happened to be on CSN as I was listening or on the way here. But he made that comment. It was really interesting. Uh, dead in our sins. Dead in our sins. Christ brought us out of that. When you start thinking about dead in our sins, just that phrase, if we are dead in our sins... The ultimate price, obviously, was paid through Christ. He paid our sins. I can't imagine the punishment, the judgment that was upon Christ on the cross. Just the sins of this room. And trust me, I don't want to hear anything. I have enough on my own. That put him on the cross that our sins. But imagine the entire world, the sins of the entire world, past, present, future, is what put him on the cross. And that punishment ransomed us so we are no longer dead in our sins. It's not until we truly know him that we are free from the punishment of that sin and of that guilt. Being known by God is greater than us knowing him. 
Did you catch that? Being known by God is greater than us knowing him. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Wow. Uh, Those are words that I never want to hear. I'm sure every one of us never, ever want to hear those words. What's the phrase that we want to hear? Well, good, faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. If we put our trust in him alone, that's what we're going to hear. I know him because he first knew me. His eyes are never off of you or me. So think about this. It's kind of, his, his eyes are never off of us. He sees our actions, whether they are in secret or in public. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows all of our dirty little secrets that we think are hidden. Imagine if God was to put all of our thoughts and actions on a big screen for all of us to see. I was trying to find a picture of me when I was a like, little, tiny little tot <laughs> and put it up on the screen. I, I couldn't find one. Uh, that would be scary because <laughs> I actually had hair back then. <laughs> so, uh, so it would be kind of scary. Psalm 103, verse 12 through 18. This is why I love God so much. It doesn't matter what we've done in our past. If we've accepted Christ into our lives and we truly, truly love him for everything that he's done for us, and we acknowledge that gift, which is a free gift, this is very meaningful. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. On those who fear him and his righteousness to the children, excuse me, to the children's children, to such as keep his covenant and to those who remember his commandments to do them. As far as the east is from the west. Do you know those will never meet? That's the coolest thing. East and from the West. You think about it, they will never meet. So no matter where you are on the globe, the East will never meet the West. You can be here, you can be here. It'll never meet. North and South, different. North Pole, South Pole. That's why he chose East and West. Ever think about that? It's kind of cool. We as humans have a tendency to not forgive and forget. Guilty of that. We also have a tendency to put on God our attributes. Meaning, if, if we can't forgive ourselves or forgive others, we automatically put that attribute on God thinking that he can't forgive us. But we've just read in his word that he does. He removes it completely. So all these things that you think you keep repenting and keep repenting, keep repenting for, stop. He's forgiven you. He's forgiven us. So we need to stop asking for this constant, constant reminder, please forgive me, because he has. 
we need to understand that he has forgiven us. What I mean by this is if we can't forgive ourselves, how can God forgive me? He already has. We hear, we hear this all the time. But the answer is, he's God and we're not. So, just to know about God is not enough. Knowing him takes time, patience, study, and meditation on his word. That's how we get to know God. So we'll end with this. So it's Psalm 119, 10 through 12. With my whole heart, I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Are we seeking God and desiring to know him with all our hearts, with all our mind, and with all our strength? That I will leave you with those questions. Uh, Let's go to the word in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today. We thank you for everything that you've done for us 2,000 years ago when you hung on that cross and you took the sins of mine. You took my sins upon you. You took our sins upon you. You took everyone's sins upon you. So we are no longer dead in our sins, but we are alive. We are new creations as you've promised. In you, we have hope. In you, we are not hopeless. In you, we find life. Lord, we thank you for this. Lord, we put a desire in us to learn more about you, to know you, not just to know about you. Lord, we thank you for everything that you've done for us. I can't say it enough. Lord, we love you so much. Without you, we would be nothing. Without you, we would be lost. You've given us a path to get back home. We thank you for this. We ask that you just, this week, Lord, I ask that you touch every single one of us with your love. Make it obvious. And Lord, that I ask that you put in front of us one person, or many, but I ask that you put one person in front of us right now, this week, that we can share the love of God with them. Make it intentional. If it is your will, we ask it be done. We thank you for this time. We thank you for the fellowship that we'll have today. And Lord, we lift everything up, everything that we have, Lord. We lift it and we give it to you. In Jesus' holy and precious name.